Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Let me ask you very quickly about the magazine, about Black Enterprise Magazine. When you began it, it's not only a business opportunity, but I keep reading in How to Succeed in Business Without Being White that you wanted it to be a how-to magazine. Why is how-to important? Well, the whole, the whole premise of the magazine is to say to African Americans from the beginning, you, you too can have a piece of the economic action of this country, right? that the opportunities are there, whether or not you're talking about as a professional going into some line of work, as a person working in another corporation for somebody else, or putting the key in the door yourself every morning and taking that, whether or not it happens to be, an, and I'm just using that as a, a, a reference, but that's true whether or not you're an auto dealer, whether or not you're a florist, whether or not you're uh, a manufacturer or something, maybe it's a franchisee, I own the Pepsi franchise once upon a time, and uh, that, was, that was a how-to, if you will. It was a, and and I, I was writing that magazine for the five examples or six examples I've just given so that if you were a, fran- a franchise operator, I was going to be able to tell you something about what you were doing to your employees that would be useful. Affirmation. Don't just be motivated. Be motivated to act. Don't chase the bag. Attract the bag. It's the Money Motivation Podcast. You've never heard money talk like this. It's time to get in the game as we introduce you all to the words of a Mr. Earl Graves, fortunately we lost that titan of business, owner, founder of Black Enterprise, lost him last night at the age of 85. It's only right that the Money Motiva- Motivation Podcast will honor a titan in business. I introduce myself, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and our special guest from the Money Motivation Squad. We'll start out with you. Mark Ranger, founder of the Money Motivation brand. Thank you for coming on with us tonight. As again, we pay a little small tribute to that Titan in business, if you will. Say hello to the listeners out there before we get this game started, if you will. I'm pretty sure you might have a few words in reference to telling them who you are, but just speaking on Earl Graves as well, I'll let you just kind of kick us off again, just paying and homage to that brother who is pretty much the reason we're able to do this tonight. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, no doubt. It's an incredibly sad day in the business world. Uh, Earl Gray Sr. was, he, he was an icon, is an icon. Uh, and uh, I can remember when I started my career reading his book um, more than once and uh, the concepts he discussed, how to succeed in business without being white. Um, that book shaped a lot of my ideals about how I was approaching business. I, I distinctly remember lines from that book that I read that, that shaped the way I thought about business and, and admired him as a mentor from afar um, and his influence, not just on black business and entrepreneurship, but on all business and entrepreneurship and building, obviously, the enterprise, Black Enterprise Magazine and many other things that he touched and his, his overall message, you know, quite frankly, of helping uh, young African-American and black uh, men and women um, get the power of business and entrepreneurship and how it could impact their lives, their families, and their communities. So I was extremely saddened to hear that news last night and definitely in paying tribute to him as an important piece of 
uh, why we're here today because he he paved the way, no doubt, and um, his legacy will live on. He will not be forgotten. No, absolutely. We definitely appreciate those words. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into this game. Let me explain to anybody out there listening, if your first time, we are episode two of the Money Motiv- Motivation Podcast. We have a, a format that we use, so we're going to share that with the audience, and I'm going to have Mark and our other guests, Johan Harrison, introduce themselves properly as we get this thing tipped off. So basically, we run this thing pretty quickly. It's a game. We got first quarter, first quarter, first quarter, I'm going to ask both of these brothers a question, and after asking that question, they'll answer. That is first quarter. Second quarter, uh, Mark or Johannes will lead off. They'll ask the other a question, answer that question, and once that question is answered, that's quarter two. We'll go to a quick halftime. When we come back from halftime, the other We'll ask the other a question, and that will be third quarter, and we have a, always a specially prepared fourth quarter. Uh, this is kind of a nice treat to keep y'all hanging on to the end. So with that said, we'll go ahead and get episode two started properly. So, again, Mark Ranger, if you will, introduce the audience to a little bit of background of who you are, then we'll introduce your hunts as well. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, so Mark Ranger, and, again, I am the founding CEO of the Money Motivation brand, which is a success and lifestyle brand. Uh, targeted at the self-made business leader and entrepreneurs and high achievers, and we're a premium streetwear brand uh, that embodies their journey. I'm also an executive with a Fortune 200 firm uh, where I work with over 300 uh, business owners and entrepreneurs and financial advisors managing over $20 billion. I also am an investor in the stock market. Uh, I own a business, as I just stated, and uh, I'm a homeowner as well out here in Los Angeles, California, in the real estate uh, side of the business, and I love what I do. Hey, love it. Johans, without further ado, if you will, introduce yourself to the audience so we can tip this game off. Let's do it. Let's do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Johans Harrison, President, CEO of The Money Script, which is a financial planning uh, firm. Um, I work with uh, lots of individuals that have high income, high tax bracket, and trying to figure out what to do with it so they can reach their dreams and goals in the most efficient manner possible. Uh, like my brother over there, Ranger, also um, as a business owner, um, additionally invest in real estate, invest in the stock market, and, and invest in anything, invest in other small business before businesses before. So anything that I can do to turn a, a dollar into some more dollars, I'm, I'm looking at opportunities to do that. Um, so, yeah, let's get this game started. Let's do it. Absolutely. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it to tip this thing off. And, and, and Johannes, you was fortunate enough to be on the last episode, so I'm going to surprise y'all a little bit. I want you to hear a little bit of a tail end of a question we asked you on episode one, and it's basically leading oh, you're to the next like question. That? Yeah, I'm going to do you like that. Yeah, so I'm going to okay. let you hear a few words from right. just a few quick words from last week, and I'll ask y'all a question and see how y'all and, and how y'all answer it. But we definitely will start with you, Johannes. So let me kind of set up the question before I ask it. What's funny is that when you bring up taxes, because the general public often doesn't understand that that's the number one revenue driver for the federal government. It's bigger mm-hmm. than real estate. It's bigger than anything, right? And and that's the part that wealthy people understand that the general public does not. And oftentimes that's the information and access component that our community fails to re- recognize and realize that that's how we create generational wealth. We have to play the paper game and not necessarily just the paper or the money game. The paper is the actual titling of these documents. It's understanding how different things are taxed. And I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that is what is missing 
as part of uh, the next leg up for us to really take things to the next level. That was Bilal Little, one of the Money Motivation Squad members, and coming off the tail end of you expressing that public doesn't know how the wealthy handles taxes upon retirement. So the question to you, Johans, is simply, what vehicles do you plan to use based on where you're currently at, and what vehicles are you planning on using to basically lower your tax hit upon retirement? Because I think as you explained last week, quite often people end up in a higher tax break bracket without even thinking about it if they don't plan properly. So how do you plan to handle that going forward, if you will, brother? Uh, so the number one way that I am doing that right now is uh, putting money into a Roth 401k. Um, so the, the Roth 401k is uh, after-tax money, so I've already paid taxes on this money. And then the, it goes into the 401k. It's going to grow tax-deferred and then uh, take it out tax-free. Um, uh, as long as I'm 59 and a half, I can take that out tax-free. So that's, that's probably going to be the largest source of tax-free income that I have in retirement. Uh, I currently do 50-50, so I put half in pre-tax, half in the post-tax. And I know I could do all of it if I wanted to, but I don't, I'm okay with getting some tax break today. So, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I do the 50-50 game. That's how I do it. Um, now, I also will be putting money into uh, each year. I can do up to $6,000 into a traditional IRA and then convert that to a Roth IRA. That's known as the backdoor Roth IRA. Um, so I'm, I'm doing it for myself. Uh, I can also do it for my wife, but... We've been putting money in other places, so I haven't focused on hers just yet. So we'll have also Roth IRAs, and we have to do it that way because our earnings are over the, the limit of which you can contribute directly to a Roth IRA. But in 2010, they changed the rules that anybody can do a conversion. So I'll have my uh, my, my Roth, my, excuse me, my Roth IRA, my wife's Roth IRA. Um, so I'll get some tax-free money from that. Um, now I'll get some some. I'd say it'd be, it would be taxed in a preferred way and manner because it's not going to be tax-free, but, um, you know, income that I get from real estate, um, it's still taxable, but, it's, it's you know, there's ways that it won't be taxable at the ordinary income uh, level, not all of it anyways, because I'll get some, some things I can write off against my real estate portfolio. So it be, won't be taxed as ordinary income. Um, and then I do have uh, cash value life insurance policies as well. So, um, so that's someplace that, that may be a source of retirement income possibly, but uh, I don't know. I may use that money for some other purpose along the way. I've already used my money for my tax-free life insurance policy. I used it to help my son go to college. I used it to help me move across the country. Um, so uh, so I, I don't know if that's going to be a major component of my retirement. But, yeah, th those are things I'm working on for tax-free. Hey, sounds good. Mark, we'll throw that question back to you. What is your right now based on your lifestyle? How do you plan to – lower the tax hit upon retirement for yourself? Yeah, this is an important one. This, this is one of those questions that, that, that can sound boring, but actually long-term is one of those questions that can save you a ton of money. Because if you think of your lifetime, how much money you sa you know, your tax, I mean, this is, this is a major one. Uh, even though retirement for most of us is a long ways off, you know, I, I probably won't ever really retire, but it's still an important thing to be able to plan for. But, so here are the things that I, that, I, that I do right now and uh, things that I will want to do in the future. So Johan's mentioned insurance. I do use insurance, and I think this is something that most don't understand, but I do use insurance as a tax-free vehicle because you can invest in a permanent insurance policy, pay the cost of insurance, but still have a bucket that you can invest money into the stock market and be able to pull that money out 
uh, tax-free later. And so I do invest in that. I do have uh, insurance. Uh, I believe in insurance in terms of, I shouldn't even say I believe in it. It's not a religion. It's, it's a vehicle. But <laughs> I, it, is something, it is something that I think is important. Let's say it that way. It's something I think is important because it creates wealth where there is no wealth. But you can use insurance. So I do use that and invest in that to be able to pull money out tax-free. And I will pull it out tax-free as part of retirement income or future income that's going to be used. And you have the flexibility, like Johan's mentioned, to use it for a lot of things. But that's a vehicle I think a lot of people, either because they got some bias against insurance or they heard something bad or something like that, that you can take advantage of. And I personally use that. I take advantage of it. So I'm I'm using um, insurance, permanent insurance, to use and invest in for tax-free money. Uh, second is definitely business entities. I mentioned I own the business, and I will always own the business. And with the right corporate entity set up, you pay less in taxes. So that's something I, I will do, I am doing, and will continue to do in the future, no matter how my business progression goes. But using business entities as a part of the lowering of taxes uh, to be able to find a way to uh, pay less over time is an important piece. Charitable contributions, I do contribute to charities. Uh, I will continue to do more and more of that over my lifetime. And uh, Johans can tell you this better than me, but you can, you can definitely deduct, um, I think, over 50% um, of your uh, taxable income uh, from charitable contributions. So if you, if you contribute to charity, you can deduct over 50% of your taxable income from charitable contributions I don't remember the exact amount, but I definitely know it's over 50%. So charitable contributions definitely can reduce that significantly. And I don't use this vehicle right now, but I will in the future, but it's municipal bonds. Now, the interest rates right now are very low, so municipal bonds for a lot of people aren't attractive. But with municipal bonds, you're essentially loaning money to governments and local municipalities. And because of their classification, the interest that you receive on on that money that you lend to them is tax-free. So any money that you have invested there, you keep your principal. You don't lose your money because the bond is a promise. They have to pay it back. And then the interest that you're going to get from that is tax-free. So uh, you might have a 4 or 5%. It's not that right now. It's much lower than that right now, but interest rates will oh, go yeah, up. It's much lower. It, yeah, it's much, much lower than that lower. right now. But in the future, uh, you have, a let's say, a 4%, 5%. Uh, on a municipal bond interest, the tax equivalent of that, you're, you're in the 6 7% range, and you're getting that tax-free in an interest payment from a government or local municipality. So um, that is something in the future that I do plan on using, but with the current environment and interest rates, it doesn't make sense for me. But in the future, as those go up, that's another important tax-free vehicle where you can have money kicked off to generate income to live off of and do the things that you want to do. So that's how I'm thinking about it, and those are the things that I'm currently doing uh, as it relates to saving money on taxes. Now nah, it makes sense. Let me touch on that last piece, and let me see. Here's a thing I think I understand, as you say, about the municipal bonds. Again, as you said, not currently attractive, but isn't that something as you, in a sense, like you said, maybe you'll never retire, but, again, as you get a, you know older or whatever, or even if you decide to retire, isn't that one of the vehicles that a lot of, if, tell me if I'm wrong, but a lot of advisors will start advising people to shift some of their money in that direction, uh, just in the idea of protecting that next that nest egg um, as you get closer to retirement. Is that part of the reason yeah. that you look to move to that in the future? You can just kind of speak on that. Yeah, real a quick. lot. 
I can speak on it. Yeah, Johans can chime in on it too. But but uh, a lot a lot of the wealthy have historically used municipal bonds. And to your point, advisors will will, will advise on it. But let's just take an example. Let's say somebody's got five million dollars, and they get a four percent interest on a municipal bond. And again, uh, the way a bond works is you're the loaner, so you loan money to an entity, and in return, they promise to give you that money back in a certain period of time, plus interest every year in that because you've loaned them the money. Just like if you borrow money from a bank, it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. You've got to pay them back in the interest. It's, you're on the opposite side of that. That's what a bond is, okay? So you're loaning them money, and they have to give you back the principal plus that interest. Well, that interest payment, let's say somebody's got $5 million, and it's a 4% interest that, that the, uh, the bond holder has to pay you, that's two hundred grand a year in income that you're going to receive from that. So that's income, to your point, uh, Montoya, that somebody with money that's income that they're going to receive or be advised to do to receive because that's automatic income plus they still got their $5 million. Well, with, since it's tax-free, right. that $200,000 that $200, at 4% is the same thing as getting a 6% return on a taxable investment. So you're getting a $300,000 equivalent tax-free wow. in a municipal bond, and so people are advised to do that and the wealthy would do that because then they still got their principal, they still got their money, their five grand, plus they're getting this – $300,000 tax equivalent per year that they can live off of and never have to touch their $5 million. Nah, beautiful. So I got a curveball for you in asking this question. I got a, a brother on the line coming off the bench. <laughs> brother named, brother by the name of Justin Hempstead. He's an accountant. And this brother plans to retire. He's younger than myself, or he plans to retire much sooner than me. And a big part of his retirement plan is the first thing that you mentioned, Mark, the idea of life insurance. And from from what I understand, he plans to, in a sense, dump the majority of his retirement there because of the tax-free benefit. So what I asked him to do is to come off the bench, share his thoughts on how he plans to do it, and I wonder what questions y'all would have based on how he how he expects to retire. It was something I was introduced to a number of years ago, and I've always been intrigued by it. So I've always wondered how people like yourself, you know, think about his plan. So I want to have Justin. What's up? How you doing, brother? Thanks for getting in here, brother Justin Hempstead. Thanks for joining the Money Motivation Podcast. We're going to keep this thing quick, man. If you just kind of break down how you plan to retire, and I wonder what Johans and Mark might question they might have for you when you break down your retirement plan. Go ahead, if you will, brother. Thanks for being on. All right, Mark. I appreciate you for having me on here. Um, so essentially, like you said, I, I I plan to put the bulk of my money into insurance. I, I, I refer to it as cash flow banking insurance. Cash flow banking insurance is going to be me um, having a permanent policy and dumping my money into it and it earning interest at a secured rate. And if I ever want to borrow from myself, I borrow the money from myself, but it's still earning interest. And I just pay myself back when I want to. So whenever I take it out, I'm taking out money essentially tax-free, but I invested in something else. I'm more of a real estate investor. So I put it into real estate and as the property pumps out cash, I go in and I I tap my equity. And once I pull my equity from that, that again, that's tax, that's tax-free income because it's considered debt. They do not tax debt as you all know. And um, so it becomes just a revolving cycle and it allows me to access that and still have a secured retirement 
and be able to live, you know, not worrying about, oh, man, how am I going to make it through? Am I going to have to go back to work if I choose to ever leave, which I do plan to retire um, within the next, really within the next three years. That's my goal. I am 33, so um, it is my goal to retire within the next three years. So, y'all hear a quick rundown of how this brother basically, from the way I understand it, I just want to wonder what y'all questions might be, but this brother plans to retire in three years, and he literally will use the permanent insurance as his main vehicle for taking out money, using it at his leisure, tax-free. He's an accountant that hates taxes, clearly. And so that's his plan. <laughs> so I was interested. Johannes, we'll throw it back at you because I heard you say, something you might do. And again, not to say any one way is right or wrong, but I was very interested in how, what y'all think of this brother's plan. So any questions from you, Johan? Yeah. To, to a quick question. First of all, brother, uh, congratulations on a having a plan um, because there's so many people out here that just walk around without a plan and just expect things to fall into place. So, so kudos to you on that. Um, and I, I don't know that I have a question. If you have a plan and it's working, you may, I, I mean, I, I am a financial planner by trade, so I'm immediately thinking of all the things that I would want to know if I were in your situation. Um, but I, I'll try to keep it as, as simple as possible. But uh, with you wanting to retire in three years, the, the question I would have if I'm in your shoes is what does the nature of what the economy is going to, through right now, um, what's the worst case scenario, what does that do to your plan? Um, so that, that's just, I mean, maybe it means you work longer, you know, a couple of years or something. I don't know, but that, that, if I'm in your shoes, that'd be the first question I'm asking. If this is a prolonged sort of recession, um, how does it affect my plan? If, uh, you know, if state ad prices go down by X, how does that affect my plan? Cause I, I saw a lot of people in 2006, seven that were ready and then eight, nine happened. And then they had to sign up for five more years or six more years. So, so that, that would be the only question I'd have, I would have in your not the only question, but probably the top question that I would ask. Okay. Well, um, I'm more than happy to answer that for you. I'm actually a, I'm a buy and hold investor. So I, I'm not anyone who's going out here trying to fix and flip and, you know, get the quick short-term capital gain tax or anything like that. Um, I don't tend to do wholesaling. I know all those things tend to work, but I'm a cash flow investor. So when I invest in an asset, the cash flow is going to continue its residual. People will always need a place to stay. Um, I tend to invest in more residential and commercial real estate. I mean, I, I, I've recently tapped into commercial real estate where I, I have multifamily units. So if I have someone who is um, a, a unit that's vacant, that doesn't stop my cash flow because the other ones are still pumping out cash. And so that actually secures me in situations like that. If the recession continues on longer than what we have planned for, um, I have not the cash flow that is coming in from that. I also am a business owner. So um, being a business owner, I mean, the real estate, of course, is a business within itself, but um, owning other companies uh, that actually they produce income when I don't have to necessarily be there to operate because they, uh, Montoya can speak to this, but one of my one of, my, one of the um, titles or marketing approaches that I that I tend to speak on, I, I like to, you know, brand it as making money while I sleep. So, I I do that by owning these companies and providing jobs to individuals in service based industry. So, um, 
<laughs> it tends to be. No, sounds to, good, Mark. To, any questions for you? From you, real quick, before we let Justin go. Yeah, it's a quick one. It, it's yes. You, you mentioned you plan on using that vehicle for the bulk of your money. So it's a two-part question. What percentage would that represent that you're looking to use that vehicle to invest in? And then the difference of that percentage, what, what other vehicles or other things are you doing in terms of investments, uh, types of investments, I mean, uh, with, the, let's say, the difference of that percentage towards this retirement, which, you know, is, is, is incredible and great that you got that target of three years. I love that. Um, but that's my two-part question. You know, what percentage are you looking to put in that vehicle? And then with the difference of that, what other types of investments are you, are you into? Well, the percentage of income, um, I, I tend to be able to live off of about 40% and of what I, what I bring in. So the other 60% is used normally for investments. And so with that being the case, I heard you um, from the last show that you did, and you were saying um, keep it keep expenses low. Now keep the bad debt right. low, the consumer debt low. And yeah, so just real quick, Justin, so I can get to the next quarter. I just want. So the question is, how much? What percentage uh, do you plan to put in insurance upon retirement? Just kind of answer that percentage, and then what other vehicle would you use in addition to the the bulk of it being in insurance? So, what do you have an idea of what that percentage might look like upon retirement? I would probably put 40 percent there, then forty percent, other forty percent in real estate. To be honest, and that other twenty percent okay. is more so be play money. Hey, sounds good. Thanks a lot for the thoughts. Thanks for getting in with us. All right, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Justin. Appreciate that. Now, just a little curveball again. This is an unscripted view into the game of business and money. So, uh, Mark, I'll go ahead since you were talking. You go ahead and start with the question you have for Johans to get us into quarter two. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, so the question I got for Johans is, I mean, you know, we got we got all of this volatility going on. We got all this economic uncertainty, as people will call it, and whatever other language we want to use. Uh, but most people at this point are paying attention to the stock market. They're paying attention to that. And secondly, they're paying attention to what the economy might do and how that might impact uh, companies, so on and so forth. So my question to you is, what would you or do you recommend to someone who wants to take advantage of this volatility? They want to take advantage of it. They want to figure out what to do. And secondly, is there anything specific that you're doing to take advantage of this market volatility and all the things that are going on? Got it, got it. You can hear me, right? I got disconnected. I had to jump back yep. in, but can you hear me? I got no, it. you're good. Yeah, I got clear. Go ahead, brother. Perfect. Okay, so um, what? It, let me answer the first part. So what am I doing? Because um, that, that's going to lead into what, what am I saying to other people. Um, so I, I like to lead by example. I am a buyer right now. Um, I'd love to, to <clears throat> purchase different companies when they were – um, at prices that were 20% higher than what they are today, or even 30% higher than what they are today. Um, so I, I'm, I'm buying. Um, and I'm also thinking of, you know, what areas of the market do I think will be leaders coming out of this? And that's where I'm putting more of my dollars towards. Now, that's what I'm doing on a selective basis. And that selective basis is maybe 10, top 20% of my portfolio. Uh, the rest of my portfolio is on autopilot. Um, and so I did go in and tweak how much I have going to areas that would hit really hard, like international and small cap. 
Um, and uh, just historically speaking, sometimes they come out of a recession faster. So I just increased my small cap and international allocations in my 401k and my IRAs and, and just kind of, it's a set it and forget it. But then I'm taking about 20% of my capital and I'm going out there and finding the company, you know, and, and doing some research and saying, hey, I wouldn't mind owning this company because it's 20, 30% cheaper than what it was two years ago or a year ago. And I would have loved to own it then too. Um, so that's, that's what I'm doing with my money. Um, as far as what I'm telling clients. Quick question is, before uh, you kind of say what you're going to say to everyone else, if I could sneak in. Um, any particular yeah. industry you found during this research that stands out to you, or is it literally specifically company by company for you? Just to throw that in before you get into what you're sharing. Uh, sharing so as far as, as far as, yeah, so in, industry specifically is consumer staples. Um, you know, the, we, we, as people were buying toilet paper, I was saying, yes, buy some more. I am a stockholder of Kimberly Clark. So, yep, keep buying this hot nail, get some more. I don't mind it all. Stack it in your garage. What's for me? Um, so, so consumer staples. So that's food, you know, um, toiletries, things of that nature. So your, your Kimberly Clark to the world, your, your Colgate Palm Olives, um, things of that nature. And of course, I have to say, as a licensed advisor, I'm not soliciting that you go out and buy this. Do your research, talk to your advisor. But, yeah, so that, that's, that's on a company level um, and industry level. And then I look for the, the uh, technology leaders. Um, so whether that's in, uh, your, your Amazons of the world, um, your Netflix of the world, um, just as people that are in the technology, even in the technology space of, um, Microsoft and, you know, just cause what a lot of companies are realizing right now is that they were not ready for a service disruption like this. They were not prepared. They did not know how to have their workers work at home. These companies are never going to get caught off like guard like this again. They're the companies that have money that are smart. They're going to cut expenses, and they're going to re, uh, reinvest some of that money into R&D so that they can make sure that if we have something like this happens again, that they're prepared. And there will be companies on the other end of that transaction. Um, now, of course, yes, oil and gas and, and, and the airlines, those are the riskiest ones. I got burnt on airlines September 11th, so I'm not a big buyer of the airlines. But if you're risky, hey, you know, some of them might make it. Some of them also might not make it. So uh, there's that. And same thing with the oil companies. I mean, I'm in Texas. I mean, they're shutting down oil companies left and right. So that's also a risky business, but some of them might make it. Uh, cool. Anything for others in general? Like you, like the, you're covering up kind of Mark's first Oh, so, so for others. So the first thing for others, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the first thing right now you got to ask yourself is, 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 my, is my income secure? You know, it, it, and, and that's what, you know, that's a question range I'm asking you. I, I'm, is it my turn to ask a question? But I'll get to you. I'll get to that. But that's going to be part of my question for you. And so, but you have to ask yourself, is your income secure? Um, and, you know, is your profession secure? Your job may not be that secure because job can change, but is your profession an essential business right now? Will you be gainfully employed? And if you are, then you probably want to do the same things I've done. You go back and look at your assets and see where you're investing. Maybe you make some adjustments. Uh, if you want, if you have an appetite for more risk, then yeah, that was a great time to pick up some assets. The prices were lower than what they used to be. Um, you know, if you're a buy, if you need to buy a car in the near future, if you need to buy a house in the near future, there's a strong likelihood prices are going to get better for buyers. So you just kind of first got to assess where you are, and then you can make those tweaks to your portfolio. Now it makes sense. We're actually going to go to our quick halftime, and then you'll be able to ask Mark your oh, question then it's for my the third quarter. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's go to this quick halftime. Hope y'all are enjoying the Money Motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Hope you are enjoying the Money Motivation podcast. We will open up the phone lines if anybody wants to get in. The number is six four six 
646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Press 1 if you would like to get in. We'll be right back. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Welcome back to the Money Motivation Podcast an unscripted view into the game of business and money. We had an amazing first half with our special guest, not special guest, I'm sorry, the Money Motivation Squad, Mark Ranger, founder of Money Motivation, as well as Johans Harrison. Thank you both for being on. So we are at the third quarter. Johans, you are now able to ask your question back to Mark to kick off the third quarter. Go ahead. All right, Beth. So uh, my question is for you is that uh, what what – What's going on in the industry right right now, of course, with all the, the disruption that's happening? Um, um, what are you telling yourself and what are you telling to your, what are you saying to your advisors when it comes to um, the security of A, corporate positions, and B, the opportunities that exist for advisors that just need to get out the game? Uh, so what am I saying to myself? Well, uh, what I'm saying to myself is that this is something that we understand. So unlike uh, the Great Recession, 0809, we didn't know what the hell was going on. We didn't know anything about derivatives. We didn't know anything about CMOs. We didn't know anything about, you know, um, the uh, the real estate market and what actually caused that bubble to occur. We didn't really understand it, and it started happening, but it caused a lot of uh, panic. We understand what's happening right now. We know it's a virus, and it's creating this situation. Fundamentally, there's nothing necessarily wrong with the economy. There's nothing necessarily wrong. There was strong uh, growth with companies. There was strong cash flow with companies. And the economy, in terms of unemployment and a number of different things, was generally strong and continuing on a certain growth trajectory. So what I'm telling myself is we understand this. We, there's transparency to it. We can see it, uh, and we understand it. Uh, the second thing I'm telling myself is, on, on average, bear markets, uh, no matter what the scenario, if you look at any bear market going back to the Great Depression and before that all the way up to the tech bubble, to 9-11, to the Great Recession and everything in between, Black Monday, 7 to 12 months has typically been the longest, on average, 7 to 12 months. If we averaged out the bear recession, the bear markets, if we average them out, 7 to 12 months is the average. So... About this time next year, assuming we get control of this coronavirus, and that's the big assumption, assuming we get control of that, about this time next year, there'll be some recovery that has occurred. So with all of those things that I keep in my head, 
that's what's got to keep me on stable ground in terms of saying business needs to move forward, be smart about how you can play this and, and figure out the opportunities because in the midst of disruption, there's a ton of opportunities. So that's, that's, that's what I'm telling myself. Uh, now, the second piece of that, let me make sure I understood the question on the second side of that. Say that again, Johan. Oh, I'm asking, so that's what you're telling yourself. So I'm asking, um, right. we know that, 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 that the advisory business has been an aging industry for a long time. Um, there's probably still some pretty good stats out there about how lopsided it is. So do you think that this situation will create opportunities for more practices to go on sale for growing advisors? And we may have to be advisors. I mean, I'm talking to you because it's me, but I'm just saying, in general, wouldn't this be a really good time to go small, buy some small businesses, specifically advisory businesses? Got it. Well, um, I, one, I think it remains to be seen. Um, I think generally, and then I'll go most specific to your question. Generally, yeah, there are a lot of companies that this goes on a long time that are not going to be able to survive yeah, across all industries. I mean, I think most people can envision that if uh, there's not enough liquidity, because anything relative to a recession or companies folding is all related to liquidity, meaning do they have enough cash on hand to be able to weather the storm? And a lot of companies do not doesn't matter the industry. A lot of companies do not. And if there's no recurring revenue to be able to replace that or, or hold tough, then they won't be able to withstand it. So generally speaking, yeah, you're going to see some companies fold and or get bought out um, in and outside the financial industry, but across the board. But I think the more important piece, if it relates, if you're asking me about the financial industry, in particular to your question, is um, let's say a benefit to you, is that I think what will happen more than that is there will be individuals who will say, you know what, um, I really don't want to deal with all of this change and uncertainty myself or on my own or with my own business in the future because, you know, there's, there's always going to be regulation. There's always going to be uh, market volatility. There's always going to be client issues, economic issues. It's, it's costing more to run the business. Uh, technology is advancing at a rate that I just can't keep up or don't want to keep up. I love what I do. I want to focus on the core of my business, but I don't want to do all this other shit. So, I'd rather merge. I'd rather merge up with something or a bigger entity in order to continue to do business. And I think that is going to be more of the opportunity for individuals to uh, have mergers, have merger type opportunities for individuals who might be business owners to grab on to companies who say or business, small businesses that do want to continue but don't want to deal with all of that and have an opportunity to merge with them and thus create some scale from from those mergers, more so than, let's say, just outright, I'm selling my business and getting out tomorrow. Excellent. I need to get Excellent. that enough that they say I'm selling and getting out tomorrow. <laughs> but Wait, I appreciate say, what it. Thank you. you. Right <laughs> I said I needed to get bad enough so they just get out. I, I'm ready to write some checks. Yeah, and like, come yeah, on. I, I don't, yeah. No, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. All right. Well, a guy can hope. Now, nah, much respect, much respect. So, as always, we have a specially prepared fourth quarter. We're going to go ahead and move into the fourth quarter. And, again, the loss of Earl Gray Sr., owner, founder, I should say, uh, Black Enterprise, his son, Earl Butch Graves Jr., runs the entity now. It's not just the magazine. It's so much more. Definitely learn about that tightening business. But to kick off the fourth quarter tonight, we're going to hear a slightly longer cut from Earl Graves. There's a lot to peel back in it, but I would love to hear what, what each of you 
tuned in on. I'll share I'll share the part that kind of mattered to me. Uh, but that'll be the fourth quarter. We're going to listen to a slightly longer cut from Mr. Earl Gray Sr. Again, died at 85 just last night. So it's only right that this is how we conclude tonight's episode two for the fourth quarter. Um, we need to have more and more people who are re- recognizing the value of equities and the value of bonds and the value of stocks. You know, the things you're talking about, you would think, are things that everybody just knows. Everybody knows you ought to save money. You shouldn't spend everything you got. You shouldn't go into debt. You ought to put something aside for the future and for your own children. Everybody should know those things. Why don't people know those things? Because we live in a materialistic society. We want to show people we have the best car. Our kids went to the best school. Uh, you can wear the best clothes. Right? Um, you know, um, and, and it is a matter of, of wanting to be there. And we're in, a, we're, in a, we're in a society we wanted everything now. I mean, you and I knew, or at least I did, I can't speak for your growing up, but I mean, I had, when I went off to college, I think one sport jacket or two sport jackets and one suit. And I'm still trying, and I'm still trying to catch up with how many suits I now need to have because of that, that kind of thinking. But at least I've been smart enough now to certainly plan for my future. So my wife and I certainly, um, unless something dramatic, dire were to happen in this country, and I don't see that happening economically, that we can be comfortable for the rest of our lives. And also we're providing for our kids being comfortable. Um, so it is a matter that we don't save because there's so many other things saying to us spend. And we, we got this not very important $600 refund that everyone got in this country from, uh, from because of President Bush's initiative. And <clears throat> when you look at it, I mean, it, that didn't move the needle at all in terms of what really was going to make a difference for most people. Uh, $600 is not going to help them for where they are. Maybe that's a month's rent in, in a low-income type of area. Or, but certainly in New York, that pays not not very much, and so we have to we have to make up our minds. We're going to set goals for ourselves. And I come back to that word again. I want to save X dollars this year, and that means you, in order to do that, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. And you're also again setting an example of leadership for your children. They see you doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son, their oldest son, Butch, manages a good share of our portfolio for us because we started setting an example of him early when he was 13 years old. We were living at that time in a predominantly Jewish area, so he had a desire to be bar mitzvahed, not because he wanted to be circumcised again, but because he knew that at age 13 at bar mitzvahs, his, his male friends got all kinds of monies, and he thought that ought to happen to him. So when he was 13, we these you know, I said to him, okay, for Christmas, which was a Christian holiday, we were going to give you, uh, I think it was 100, 300 dollars, and I said I'll double whatever you've made that year. Well. Uh, you know, it turned out that he actually had doubled the money that we'd given him. So I said that wasn't a very good plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that now today, because of his training, he's a graduate of Harvard Business School and had an interest in finance. That was his area of interest. Um, he manages the portfolio for a good part of it for his mother and I. So the thing that stands out to me, I'll start. The thing that stood out from that cut for me was the quick moment where he said, hey, I went to college with one suit, and even today I'm trying to scale back how many suits I buy, what is the correct number. And he's speaking to that while he understands money and obviously became very wealthy in this country, he's speaking to how that having that one suit affected him overspending in that one area. That that reminded me, well, in a sense, this tennis shoe game, when I was in high school, my friends would get several shoes during the year. And whatever shoes I got at the beginning of the year, I had to keep them clean throughout the entire year. So as soon as we got to the academy making our own money, I would 
still keep my shoes real clean, but I I was so glad after a year to have more than one pair of nice shoes. Oh, and yeah. that didn't leave me for that. a long t- for a long time. So it stood out to me again that this man, wealthy as he could be, he still chased that aspect. So we all got a little bit of that and sounds like what he's saying, a little bit too much of that. Go ahead, Mark, I'm sorry about that. If you had a quick response to me. No, no, I was just saying I remember that when you with those shoes that you were commenting on, how you wanted to make sure, you know, <laughs> you kept it together, but you could be excited about making sure you could get some more. That's all. I just remember that. No, nah, that's super cool. That's super cool. So I'm going to go with you, Johannes. What stood out from that clip, that clip from you, for you, brother? Uh, first of all, I need you to send me that clip, A. I will. Uh, and, and, and second, uh, when he said when Bush sent out six hundred dollars um, to stimulate the economy, I was I was thinking to myself, I remember that. Um, and mm-hmm. the fact that the minimum that each person is getting right now for if you made under seventy five thousand, you can get twelve hundred. Um, matter of fact, mm-hmm. I'm not getting anything. Um, I found out the hard way that my my ex claimed my son. Um, so I don't even get anything for him. Actually, I wouldn't because he's between the ages of 17 and 24, and they're only doing it for under 17. So, yeah, there's that. Anyways, I'm not getting any money. So, But it was interesting that it's exactly <laughs> double. I was like, it went from 600 to 1,200. I'm, I'm not getting any of that. I did apply for the economic relief. Apply for, if you're a business owner, apply for economic relief. The worst thing that happen is they say no. Um, and if you are also a business owner and you pay yourself, apply for your PPP. That's all I'll say on that. Look it up. Or get at me and talk about it. Anyways, um, so that's what stood out to me is the fact that 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 we they're giving everyone twelve hundred dollars, and I like how he responded to it. It's like that that's not what people really needed. I saw a meme that came across. He made me think of a meme that came across uh, uh, Instagram or something that said, uh, you know, fuck twelve hundred dollars, give me a seven fifty credit score. And I was like, there you go. That's uh, that would be that probably do a little bit more good, maybe if, as long as you're responsible with it. But um, uh, but but I I mean. It, it just hit me that sometimes the 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 answer that we get from government is all oh, just throw money at the problem and what people really need is to be educated and he's right and people I mean we as parents yes we get to teach our children at home um, but um, if we don't already know ourselves I mean of course Mark we we know because we're in the business so that's how you know that's how we learn well some of it may have learned some from home too but still my point is we're in the business so we talk it as easy but if you're not and the education system isn't teaching it to kids, then, you know, they look at that $1,200 like, oh, I get to buy an extra pair of shoes. You know, if someone still has a job, they're going to waste that money. For the people that aren't working, yeah, it's going to go to the right place. But for people who are still working, most of them don't waste it. It's just a sad fact about it. And that's why they do it, because they know they compete with unexpected money. I absolutely stand in that consumer mode, and yeah, and that's kind of what drives our our economy is the consumerism. And as Earl Gray Senior said, we get caught up, and there are those who push for us to be consumers, and we often fall for it as a country. Yeah, that's just the entire country falls for it, but you don't have to. Any thoughts from you? Again, I want to kind of let you, in a sense, close the night. Um, Again, thank both of you for being on. But if you will, any thoughts from you, Mark? in reference to that cut specifically. Yeah, it was a lot of things that uh, that, that he obviously said, but um, what stood out to me was he, he started out talking about understanding the value of equity and, and, and bonds and, and owning things and stocks, and that's all about ownership. And the thing about it is, you know, because the tone of this entire deal from the from, from Earl Graves and the interviewer was, you know, how, how 
helping people trying to understand not living above their means, understanding ownership, understanding delayed gratification, like those are all things in it. Well, ownership is hard. I mean, and sometimes it's boring. It takes will. It takes risk. It's not that sexy versus going out and spending a bunch of money, you know, on things that we like and want to show off and make us feel good. All of us like to do it. I think there's nobody who can ever completely overcome getting rid of an increasing lifestyle. And I think that's what even he was trying to say he was fighting against. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody would do it at different levels. You know, some, some will fall more into it than others, but I think all of us fall victim to it. So you can never really get away from it, but if you can understand the concept of ownership and equity and how that being a, a large piece of how you operate, he was trying to say that, that that is how you can win against that game because if your equity is building, he didn't say this, but if your equity is building, you're constantly looking at being more of an investor than a consumer, then that's how you win. The other things that stood out to me were about the whole delayed gratification that he talked about, uh, really having discipline. He didn't use the word discipline, but he said make up your own mind. That's really about discipline. A lot of being able to build wealth, being able to have ownership and do various things is about a discipline that you can have with how you operate in your life. And also he talked about the kids, and I thoroughly believe that. I mean, you know, kids see what you do, and the practice for building long-term lessons is them duplicating what they see. If all they see is you spending money and never actually talking about concepts that uh, you want them to gravitate to around ownership and building wealth, well, what do you think is going to happen? And it just ends up being an endless cycle. I think what it all boils down for me that that came to mind was, look, it's a matter of are you going to live the world for yourself or somebody else? Because anytime we're spending a bunch of money and doing a bunch of things, Sometimes it's for ourselves, but a lot of times it's because of other people. And we, can't, we, didn't, we were not put in this world to live for somebody else. If things don't go well, you're sacrificing yourself for others. You should be figuring out how to make your dreams come true. We should be figuring out how to make our dreams come, come true and do what makes you happy. That's the key. And if a man understands this, a man or woman understands this, and, and focuses on fulfilling their purpose and putting themselves first, putting themselves first, and their kids first, and ownership first, and how they approach this world first, that's how we can actually overcome this strategically. All of that is what, I, that last part just came to me because I was talking and got on the road, but I'm saying the first part is really what you no, know, to me as you were talking about that. Uh, basically, do it for the last name. This brother, we lost his brother. Yeah. His son is continuing the business. Black Enterprise continues on. We don't, even in Often we're technicians in our businesses, and we're not setting up to leave it to the next generation. He was able to do that with his son, to be applauded. Before we let both of you go, Johannes, we'll start with you. Share how people can get in contact with you uh, and anything else that you have going on that you want to let the audience know about. Indeed, appreciate it, appreciate it. So, uh, of course, you can get me at, at the Money Script on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also tune in to my podcast, the Money Script Podcast, on all platforms where you hear podcasts there. And then if you're looking to, you know, invest some money, if you want to buy some of that stuff we talked about or, or whatever you want to do financially, uh, you can get at me, uh, get on any of those platforms, at the Money Script, and send me a message, and we'll take it from there. Mark, any information you want to give out to the audience before we close this game out? Yeah, so Instagram, Mark underscore Ranger on Instagram. Uh, MoneyMotivation.co is the Money Motivation brand on Instagram. 
And then the same on Facebook, Mark Ranger on Facebook, book, moneymotivation.co.co on, uh, on Facebook as well. And uh, no, it was a good time tonight. We're going to keep it rolling. Now, absolutely. And for audience, if you're out there, any ideas for what you might do, the tip-off question, any ideas for what you might do in retirement, what vehicles do you plan to use, definitely look for moneymotivation.co on Instagram. Look for them to ask you that question. And if you answer, look for some special gifts in the future. But, again, just stay tuned. Make sure you follow at moneymotivation.co on Instagram to have an opportunity to win prizes in the future. With that said, game over. And as we always end every Money Motivation podcast, a little cut from Nipsey Hustle called Rats in the Middle. With that, we're gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was riding around in the V12 with the racks in the middle. I was riding around in the V12 with the racks in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was riding around in the V12 with the racks in the middle. Had a prayed almighty God, they let my dog out the kill him. When you get it Pulling up in the drop house with the baddest Young been focused on my check mm-hmm. Got a new coupe wrapped around my neck mm-hmm. Trying to put the water on my protect mm-hmm. I got killers to the left of me mm-hmm. With his lurking on her Ain't show no mercy on her We just going back to back We put a curfew on her It was dark clouds on us But that was perfect for us You know you always crash and burn But it was working for us Let my tent to V12 Double check the details Gotta cross my teeth and dye my eyes or I can't sleep well. Millions off of retail. Once again, I prevail. Knew that was over from the day I dropped my pre-sale. Hold up, let the beat build. See me in the street still. I've been fighting battles up a steep hill. They gave my road dog 12, it was a sweet deal. And I've been riding solo trying to rebuild. Uh, I was riding around in the V12 with the racks in the middle. Had a pray to almighty God, they let my dog out the kennel. When you get it straight up by the mud, you can't imagine it. I've been pulling up in the drop tops with the baddest. Young been focused on my check. Mm-hmm. Got a new coupe wrapped around my neck. Mm-hmm. Trying to put the water on my potato. I got killers to the left of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Under no condition, would you ever catch me slipping? Motorcated shooters plus the Maybach chauffeur driven. If they catch me with it, don't send me off to prison. Judge ain't sympathizing, court don't show forgiveness. Engine in the Lambo, drowning out the music. Sip Dior with the flowers, five gold cubits. Champagne while I shop, hope I splurge foolish. Closing escrow twice this month, both commercial units. Damn, I wish my nigga fast was here. How you died 30-something after banging all them years? Grammy nominated, in the sign of shedding tears. All this money, power, fame, and I can't make you reappear. But I'll wipe them, though. We just embrace the only life we know. If it was me, I'd tell you to lay your life and grow. i tell you finish where we started, reach them heights, you know. The gas to V12 to the pipe and smoke. I was riding around in the V12 with the rags in the middle. Had to pray to almighty God, they let my dog out the kennel. When you get it straight up by the mud, you can't imagine it. I've been pulling up in the drop tops with the baddest. Young been focused on my check. Mm-hmm. Got a new coupe wrapped around my neck. Mm-hmm. Trying to put the water on my potato. I got killers to the left of me. Mm-hmm. Another million dollar bill, that's just a regular. 
my granny on the jet, so I never forget. Next day we flew to Vegas with my Puma Connect. We break bread, we ain't new to success. Play music and best. Enterprise, take loop for the steps. Cold game, but I knew it was chess. At the youth in the set, learn the game, you a 